Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. At some point, it feels like every business will have to compete with Amazon. The stereotyped struggle of the 20th century was mom and pop versus Walmart. We all seen how that changed the commercial landscape in downtowns across America and right here in Acadiana. Economies of scale are a powerful thing, but the new family business isn't likely a brick and mortar anymore. E-business has created new opportunities through products on demand and on delivery. It's the upside of entering a digital marketplace. If you've got a product to sell, you can find a low-cost way to market it. It's crowded out there, and companies of all sizes need a way to differentiate what they do, and what better way to get ahead than get reviewed? Yes, we still very much rely on customer recommendations. And my first guest, uh, Sarah Brandon, has found a niche as a supplier, so to speak, of reviewers. Her company, Real Product Talk, brokers free samples of new products to a network of around 1,000 reviewers. Reviewers are unpaid, but they get loads of free stuff to try and then tell the world what they think on Amazon and Target and Etsy and Google. Real Product Talk has given away around a million dollars in free products since Sarah and her partner launched it in 2014. Originally from Cecilia, Sarah is a serial entrepreneur and podcast host. She's also leveraged her connections into a successful affiliate marketing business on Facebook. Sarah Branton, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. My next guest got her start in digital marketing and found her big break in the gig economy. Laurel Hess created Hamper, an app-based laundry delivery service that connects laundry-laden households with washers willing to take that burden off their hands. Hamper's target market is Laurel herself, as she likes to say, the busy mom on the go. But during the pandemic, the service became useful for frontline workers working long hours. Working in the healthcare industry gave Laurel an opportunity for her own pandemic pivot. She used Hamper's existing delivery network to spin off Presto Health, a startup that delivers prescriptions in partnership with Oxner Lafayette General. In 2020, Hamper was selected to Techstar, a highly competitive startup accelerator in Austin that comes with a $120,000 investment award. Laurel Hess, welcome to Out to Lunch. Yay, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yes. Uh, so Sarah, um, I did not know that that what you do was a thing. Um, So I learned a little bit about it. So federal law prevents companies from paying for reviews. That makes what you do sort of like the middleman, like the supplier of the reviewer. And they pay you and you find the reviewers whose only, you know, scare quotes here, compensation uh, is that they get to try stuff. So I would still think, though, that, you know, even though we're not paying people, right, that there still has to be like some pressure to deliver good reviews for that reviewer, right? So to what extent, like, can people be really confident that this system produces like objective reviews? So we actually talk often with our reviewers about how they can um, have this special opportunity to influence product owners. So we've had instances where our product testers hated a product and in our 
private feedback system, we're able to tell the product owner all the different things that they didn't love. And from that, the product owner then developed a new product, which actually went on to do very well. Um, and so we kind of try to create a culture um, between our product testers and our sellers where they do respect each other, but that our product testers know that they are not reviewers, they are product testers, and that their obligation is to give honest feedback. It's why we named our company Real Product Talk and why we really um, gave them a safe space to give negative feedback as well as positive feedback. They are not required to give positive feedback, only feedback in general. So it's almost like it kind of has a double um, a double function here, almost like a, like a market tester. I mean, you're able to kind of get in there and, and say like, look, I mean, this product works this way. It doesn't work that way. And maybe I can help you almost becomes like a partnership and designing the way the product can work better. So what kind of products are we actually talking about here? Oh my goodness. We have had everything from frozen chickens to backup cameras to everything as seen on TV, Shark Tank products, um, Crayola, we have run the gamut of things and we kind of get ahead of the trends. So when something is about like spiralizers, you remember people were using spiralizers to make spaghetti from zucchini and stuff. We must have tested a hundred of those before it kind of blew up in the market. So it's fun because we see things right before they get um, to be like super popular. Laurel, if, if I want to use Hamper, I sign up for an annual membership fee and then I pay like $10, 15 bucks a load. And at face value, that seems like it might be a little pricey if I'm like running three of those a week every week. And so that got me thinking, you know, um, is the idea behind Hamper that like I would happily fork over, you know, $100 a month to just not do laundry ever? Or is it more like when I got too much laundry, I need an extra pair of hands come over here and help me. Yeah, it's both. I mean, I am the hamper user that will just be like, oh my God, I'm so sick of looking at this laundry mountain and I'll place an order. And I'm not, you know, I'm the CEO of the company. I don't use it every week um, because I don't need to. Now, when I get really busy, I need to use it. So I will, you know, I use it to fill in for me with just to catch up and, and get the laundry mountain out of my house. But we have people who use it every single week because to them, it's you're, you're paying for your time, right? And convenience. It's just like why you would use a ship shopper or, you know, get something delivered from DoorDash or Uber Eats. Uh, it's just convenience. And people will pay for that because laundry takes up, you think about grocery shopping. I mean, that the average person spends about five hours a month doing grocery shopping. They spend 36 hours a month on laundry. That's a lot of time. And it's something you ha everyone has it. You can't get away from it. You got to do it. And so we're just there when you don't want to. <laughs> 36 hours a month. Like I'm trying to think about my own laundry yeah. habits and I'm just like, is it really 36 hours a month? That's insane. I think about it. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're collecting it, you're sorting it, you're putting it in, you're taking it out, you're folding it. I mean, that's where most people stop. <laughs> we have some people that just send it off to be folded. <laughs> I use this service because we have seven children. And when I tell you that sometimes I get so far behind and if I get behind, I'm like way behind. If I can send it and then it comes back, fold it even better than I can fold it. And I can just hand it off to the child and say, go put your things away. It is, I would pay yeah. five times as much for the convenience. <laughs> I, I think I think I would pay yeah, a fair I, amount of money. That's what I do with my kids. I, I'm like, here's your hamper, go put it away. <laughs> yeah. 
I think the thing I would pro- I'd probably pay for the service of just to teach me how to fold a fitted sheet. That's something that I just don't know how to do. I, I, I yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, so you know what you're looking for here, right, is the idea that people would pay at some level for the convenience. I mean, and you know, what what sort of strikes me about this, right, though, is um, that the idea that you're also paying for somebody to do it better than you could do it yourself. I mean, is that really kind of the sort of like, and then how do you kind of ensure that people are actually better at doing laundry than your customers? The, the kind of washer that hamper attracts is someone who actually, there's people who love laundry and find it soothing. And then there's some people who just hate it like me. Um, and so the people that tend to do it as a side hustle, they just really love laundry. They find it therapeutic and they take their time with it. We have ways we like to fold certain things. It's the hamper way, because it just fits better in the hamper. So we have training videos that we'll send to new washers to show them how to do that. So everything's consistent and we take that very seriously. So if something comes back and it's not right and it's messy or that you know it wasn't a good experience for the customer, it's a three strike rule. You know, we give you one chance to correct it. You don't correct it. You do one more thing and hmm. you're not a washer anymore. Sarah, you said earlier that something that you do is often kind of get ahead of product trends, right? Um, you know, uh, I can kind of understand that and like kind of in the, in the fashion industry, like you can kind of look f- for trends. But I mean, a lot of times, like even just given what you've described is the sorts of products that you might handle. I mean, it almost feels like you can't, it's not like a wave that you can perceive coming or maybe that it is. I mean, can you give me an idea? How do you even for proc, like when you're talking about something like a spiralizer, like how do you know that the age of the spiralizer is coming? Well, I think that these product owners, you know, they, they are the ones who they've invested in it and then they go out and you see a hundred Facebook ads for them. And so they're like, they're building the trends. You know, they've, they've talked about it in their groups. They find the best warehouses and, and whatever. And then they come back and say, okay, this is what we're going to market. And that marketing works. So, you know, we might test a hundred spiralizers. And then the next thing I know, I'm seeing 10 Facebook ads that are extremely well done. And they're, you know, glorifying these. And now it's on Home Shopping Network. And now you see them in Walmart and they are everywhere. I don't know how they decide what is the new it product. But as soon as I get the same thing more than three or four times, I know that this is it and it's coming. So does that mean it? If it wasn't a conflict of interest, I would probably invest in them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that mean if I if I were to eat dinner at your house, I would know, okay, well, look, there's some devices in here I should look out for. I mean, are, are, are you able to sort of like, are you also just sort of loaded up? I mean, I hate to use the word with junk. I mean, stuff that you're like, you know what? I got a free copy of this. It does this one thing really well, but otherwise it's useless. I try not to product test anymore because there's just so much stuff. Um, I have to really, really want something. Although I got an eyeball massager the other day, which is like heated and has a Bluetooth speaker in it. And if I put that baby on, it is the most fun and relaxing experience. And I'm so glad that I opted in for it. But yeah, I mean, I try personally not to, we have thousands of people who want to test things and I may only get 15 of those things from my sellers. So I don't want to, I don't want to take everything. Laurel, I mean, look, Hamper is obviously not a specific product in the sense that like it's a tangible thing. I mean, although you guys do like have, um, you know, products associated with what you do, but I mean, it strikes me that in the marketing process, that's something like what Sarah does might be useful, or you would encounter some sort of marketing, market testing concept. I mean, how do you kind of go about this? I mean, is this something that when you're trying to figure out what Hamper does well versus what it doesn't, I mean, are you 
testing the market in the way that you or would you contract with somebody like oh, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, totally. It, what we're doing basically is we're selling convenience, right? So we're selling your time back. It isn't a, necessarily a tangible thing. I mean, yes, you get your your laundry back, but what we're selling is this aspirational lifestyle of you know you don't have to do your laundry you don't have to be stuck in the laundry room you can go to your kids soccer game you can have do whatever you want to do on the weekends enjoy your family you don't have to be stuck folding clothes um we do you know sarah actually was one of the first hamper users so uh we both wrote for lafayette mom blog and they were all the testers of hamper they were the very in december before we went live in january they all joined and i said i want the good the bad the ugly especially the ugly because that's what makes it better and thank God my friends have been very open and honest with me because it just makes for a really good product later down the road. Um, service, you know, between what we're offering, what we could add to enhance the service, ironing, hang dry, things like that. I mean, I need all that feedback because it just makes this better. What was some of the, the ugly feedback, if you don't mind sharing in <clears throat> a very public place? <laughs> I, you know, I haven't gotten too much of that. We did have one I do remember early on, one of the users had a strong smell come back on their clothes, like someone had been cooking near the clean clothes. And thankfully, she told me about it. It was one of our mom friends. And I said, OK, I'm going to take care of it. So we actually, our COO and CTO drove and picked it up. And we had our top washer, who's now uh, works for us full time. He processed the order again to make sure the smell got out. And it's just something we knew now. OK, we have to look for that if your washing machine is too near your kitchen, you're not going to have a, be a great washer for us, or you can't be cooking and we need to be aware of that. So it's just something that helped us later down the road, develop some processes and procedures to mitigate against that. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking with Laurel Hess of Hamper and Sarah Branton of Real Product Talk. Sarah, and I, I feel like I need to kind of probe a little bit deeper into kind of exactly how what you do works. Because I mean, and I got the sense at first, right, that, that it was you know, use the word product testers, for instance, but, you know, in my mind, I was thinking more like reviewers. I mean, kind of give us an idea of how this actually works out in Brittany. Like, are, are people who are doing the reviews, is it literally showing up on those, you know, Amazon review pages like people see? Yes, yes. Um, so we do ask that if someone has a positive experience and they feel open to sharing that publicly on the purchase um, for uh, platform that they do share publicly, um, I can't legally ask them or require them to do that. So I just hope that they do. I make it very easy for them to giving them all the links and instructions and everything so that if they have a great experience and so many of our products are coming to us, they're not in that first phase. They are especially things that are selling on home shopping network and, um, and Etsy, those things have been well, um, gone through things that are at walmart.com or, or even, uh, QVC. Those things have already been product tested. And when they come to us, we really do expect to have a good um, experience with them. And so, you know, we say, hey, if you had a great experience, tell everyone about your experience and, and use this as an opportunity to answer the questions that you would ask yourself when you're looking to buy this product. Um, you know, don't just say, we, it was great. We love it. We hate generic responses. We want to know, like Laurel said, it's important for her business to know that, you know, maybe your washer can't be near your, your cooking equipment. And so for us, it's the same thing. We want to answer those questions for the product owners and for other buyers. Like you have the opportunity to tell other people we're shopping for this makeup 
refrigerator that you can't put your Cokes in it. It doesn't get that cold, <laughs> you know? Interesting. Um, so, so Laurel, just kind of switching gears a little bit here, because you, you know, Hamper is one thing that you're doing. You're also, you know, <clears throat> co-founder of Presto Health, which does a different kind of thing, although it's also based in delivery. It, it delivers prescriptions. And it's one of those things that I got to say, when I, when I read about it, I, I thought to myself, like, surely this is something that people already do, right? Like, does CVS or Walgreens not already deliver prescriptions. And so I guess my first question would be, you know, is that just not the case? I mean, was there really a gap in the market for prescription delivery or is it that you're doing something different with it? Oh, actually it's both. So there is a little bit of a gap. It's, it's being filled quickly though. You know, Uber bought uh, now RX. So that's going to be rolling out that they do same day delivery. Uh, Shipped will deliver from CVS, but you have to pay for it. So there's an upcharge there. Amazon's getting into the delivery game. We're a little different for a couple of reasons. One, we pair up with the hospital system. So the hospital has an outpatient pharmacy and it's a retail pharmacy. It's very important that when you have discharged from the hospital that you're med adherent or you're going to wind up back in the hospital again. And so it's about the patient care and it's about making sure that everybody stays compliant and healthy. So we can be that, that delivery arm to make sure that the patient stays on their medication because people have a really hard time getting to the pharmacy, especially if they don't have family members nearby. We had a, a situation, there was a woman who didn't know about Presto and she's on a fixed income and she took a cab to the pharmacy and she was there at the same time we were picking up an order to deliver. And she said, I had no idea and it's free. So, you know, we need to tell everybody about this because it is a free service that the hospital is doing and you can stay on your meds. You don't have to get out when you don't feel good. We, we've beat people home from urgent care before when they got tested positive for COVID and we were there at the house with their meds before they even got home. So, um, you know, I think it, it is something that's becoming more and more commonplace and we're gonna see it become more and more commonplace. But what we're doing is really just helping the hospital who already owns the patient, already has that relationship and just further give them things to increase patient outcome and patient care. So, so if this is a free service, I presume the hospital is paying you guys for that. So, so why would the hospital find this advantageous for them to, I mean, it's increasing the cost of patient care. So why would they do that? Yeah. So it's a value-based pricing. So right now, or outcome-based pricing, the way that they get reimbursed from a lot of the payers, and this is really more of a question for Lafayette General, so I hope I don't butcher it, or Oshner, but, um, <laughs> you know, if someone goes in and has a heart attack or they get, they have a blockage and they get treated for that and they leave, they need to be med adherent or they're going to wind up back in the hospital with that same issue. But they, the hospital system isn't going to get paid out again for that issue because they already got paid out for it. So there, there's this whole shift towards outcome-based pricing. And it's something that you know Medicare and Medicaid are doing that the hospitals now realize we have to make sure this person stays on their meds and we have to put way more into that, that patient care and that continuation of care to make sure that that happens because now it's a, it's like a billion dollar problem, like $300 billion problem across the health system in the United States. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's really sobering. I mean, you're, you're describing like the changes, I guess, that came f- mostly through um, you know, the federal government terms of how they reimburse hosp- hospital fees and things like that. I think um, that's interesting. I mean, and, and you know, it kind of brings up this sort of question of like qualitative measures for, 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 um, whether products are effective and things like that. I mean, Sarah, I, obviously, I would imagine you're not 
testing pharmaceuticals on people. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, it does kind of raise like sort of uh, in my mind, like maybe the connection here could be something about um, sort of different like quality of life products that you guys might be dealing with. I mean, is it literally like in my head, I might be thinking more about gadgets, right? When I think of sort of like as seen on TV type things that you mentioned or stuff that you might see on Shark Tank. But are folks testing things that are supposed to give some other kind of benefit to them? I mean, I, I'm curious. Yeah. Vitamins, creams, supplements. Uh, we've tested all of those things. Um, definitely healthcare is a huge industry, even on Amazon and Walmart. And they, those product owners um, are interested. Uh, we just listed some yesterday, actually. Um, and I think, you know, it's about uh, find a need, fill a need. I think Laurel found a really cool need that these other services aren't focused on. They're more focused on helping the patient with convenience, whereas Laurel's helping the hospital meet some bigger, more important goals. Um, and so we kind of are the same. We're trying to help our product owners meet some bigger, more important goals sometimes. Yeah, I mean... I guess I'm curious how you kind of even get connected with different types of product. I mean, I'm just thinking the gamut here is very wide. If you're describing like some people that are in this sort of like quasi pharmaceutical space, but then other people are making kitchenware. I mean, how does, how do, how do they know like you're the person to come to, to talk to about it? It's kind of a secret. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, we really have, have never really advertised. It's kind of word of mouth. We got connected early on with some big brand managers who manage thousands of SKUs. And so, you know, we're working with them all the time to help all of their brands. Um, used to be that when they would have big seller conventions, our name would come up. And, and so people would find us that way. Um, Amazon doesn't really like what we do. We don't do a ton of work there so much anymore if we can avoid it um, because they see what we do as a competition with their um, buying program, which is an early reviewer program. It's not really what we do, but they don't care so much. Um, so yeah, we kind of pivoted and, and tried to be product testers. We also do like for businesses like Laurel's or even just local businesses here. Um, if someone wanted us to come and secret shop their place of business, if they heard that maybe they have a receptionist who is not the nicest and they wanted some unfiltered feedback about that, you know, we could do that too. That's not something that we do very often, but if we have a tester within 50 miles, we absolutely could send someone out to your business and shop it um, in whatever way was important to you, whether it was finding out if you're giving good service or finding out what they feel about the look of your location or whatever's important to you. Um, we really are out to help business owners give the best products and service that they can so that they can be the most successful. Hmm. So Laurel, I mean, you're kind of moving in broadly here in the tech space, right? I mean, working in the startup world, I mean, and Sarah's mentioned kind of brushing up against Amazon. You mentioned earlier, Amazon's getting involved in pharmaceuticals. And I mean, of course, like when you're dealing with a trillion dollar company, right, there's this level of, well, yeah, they got all the money that they'll ever need. I mean, and I know that, that we're kind of maybe carving at like a smaller piece of the pie, but I mean, it, is there really a lot of vulnerability there? And what I mean by that is, is like when you're looking at sort of a behemoth, I mean, do you, do you feel like there's still enough room, right? Is Amazon really as um, much of a juggernaut as people make it out to be when you're talking about small businesses that are trying to get a toehold in what they're doing? 
Yeah, I mean, they definitely are a juggernaut. I mean, they have logistics, they're getting into healthcare, they 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 do a lot. It's validating for the space though. It doesn't scare me away. It doesn't make me think, oh, well, I'm just not gonna do it because it just, it, you know, if you do it well, you do it right, you could be an attractive acquisition for Amazon. So we can all play together in the sandbox. I'm okay with that. And, you know, for us with Presto, we have Hamper too. So it's almost like, well, if one, you know, one doesn't work out, we've got the other one. So we, we're kind of playing with two lottery tickets which is really fun. <laughs> um, I mean, Sarah, one thing I'd be curious from your perspective, right? You mentioned earlier that, you know, that was a, a platform that you may not work on as much anymore. And so, I mean, I, I like I, I'm kind of listing off some of the other, uh, you know, e-marketplace type providers. I mean, are you seeing that grow? And by that, I mean, like sort of the non amit like, so, so it was, you know, Target and some groups like that starting to really get more, um, more of their own space to do their own retailing. You know, especially now that Walmart allows for third-party sellers on their website, they really kind of have their own little secret Amazon. And if you're not really aware of searching and when you're searching Walmart, let's say you want an inflatable hot tub, unless you go in and make the retailer specifically just walmart.com, you're shopping many, many retailers. Um, so they kind of have their own smaller marketplace. And yeah, I think too, you know, for sellers, um, Amazon is a big guy who can do whatever they want. They make all the rules. And so, um, the rules favor themselves. And, uh, I think sellers are looking for places that maybe are a little more like Amazon 10 years ago. And so Walmart is becoming one of those places. Uh, I would be shocked if target didn't soon have a third party marketplace. You see it on, um, overstock.com. You can see, you know, QVC and HSN they allow you to bring your own products too. So I think that you're going to see lots of people becoming much more similar to Amazon the more we go on. So, I mean, kind of wrapping up here a little bit. I mean, Laurel, I mean, you've you've kind of looked at two different service businesses and you mentioned like, look, maybe you got a couple of lottery tickets and maybe it's Amazon, maybe it's somebody else who comes in and punches it for you. But supposing that happened, I mean, do you think you would move into products instead of services or is services the thing that you're just kind of more interested in? Yeah, I'm definitely, I have another idea for my next venture when I'm done with this and it's definitely a service-based. I just, I'm all about making life easier. That's my mission and whether it's delivering prescriptions or doing people's laundry, I will. I think I will always be drawn to helping people and just giving people their time back. So that's what my next my next plan of action will be is something in that space. I'm I'm definitely service based. Yeah. So I think it's like Sarah said. You know, find a need, fill a need, and both of you have clearly been doing that, finding finding needs and filling them, and 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 finding success in doing so. So um, Sarah Branton. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's awesome. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Laurel Hess of Hamper and Sarah Branton of Real Product Talk. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRBS. And you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Laurel and Sarah and what they do by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our social media. These photos were taken by Jill LaFleur, and you can find more of her work at lafleurphoto.com. One of these days, we'll get back to hosting Out to Lunch over Grits and Grads at the French Press in downtown Lafayette. Until then, you can go to the French Press yourself for breakfast or lunch or even order it for delivery. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. 
producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producers are Molly Richard and Jan Risher. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. And to find out more of what matters in Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. Until then, I'll see you here again next time around our virtual lunch table for more business. Katiana Style, I'm out to lunch at Katiana. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit hancockwhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great chances sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com.